This is Tani Talks Parsha, where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Here on Tani Talks Parsha, we have come to another Sefer, another part of the Torah. How apropos for where we are in the time of the year, coming to Parsha's Devarim in Sefer Devarim. The question becomes, why does the Sefer start with the words, the word, these are the words which Moshe speaks. Why is this the way that Hashem chooses to start off the Sefer? And I think it's very apropos, God willing, to the time we are in in the Bena Mitzorim, between the two fasts of Shiva Sarbatamas and Tisha B'Av. Let's look at what it says. So Chabad.org points out to us from the sources from Sifri, these are the words which Moshe spoke to all of Israel on the other side of the Jordan, in the desert, in the Arava, opposite the Suf, between Paran and Tophel, and Lavan and Chatzirod and Dizahav. This comes, of course, from Sefer Devarim, Parshas Devarim, Perak Alf, Pasuk Aleph. According to the Sifri, the numerous place names listed here are not landmarks indicating where Moshe spoke these words. Indeed, some of these places do not even exist as geographical locations. Rather, these are words of rebuke by Moshe to the people of Israel. Instead of mentioning their sins outright, he alluded to them, he alluded to them with these place names. In the desert, in the Midbar, in the time they complained, if only we would have died in the desert. This comes from Shemos Perikidzayim. In the Arava, in the plain, their worship of Baal Pa'or in the plains of Moab, that comes from Bamidbar, Perikhafhe, opposite Suf, the trouble they made at the shores of Yamsuf, the Red Sea, that comes from Sefer Shemos Perikidalid, and Rashi and Sefer Shemos Tedvav. When he says Paran, this is the sin of the spies who were dispatched from Paran, as recounted in Bamidbar Yudgimel and later in our own Parsha here in Dvarm, and Tolfel on Lavan, meaning libel and white, they're libeling the white mana, which was testified by Hashem himself in the Torah how wonderful the man was. That comes from Bamidbar Chafalaf and Chatzay Ros is where Korach's mutiny against Moshe took place, and Dizahav, literally too much gold, the sin of the golden calf, the Sifrim and Rashi. The question becomes then, why did Moshe do this? Why would it have been done in such a way? Really, the, it would have been fitting, Yalkut Shemoni points out, that the rebukes should have been pronounced by Balaam, by Bilam, and that the blessings in the Parsha of Balak be said by Moshe. But Hashem said, let Moshe, who loves them, rebuke them, and let Bilam, who hates them, bless them. The question still becomes, why hint at it? Why not say it outright? And why not say it earlier on? Why does Moshe wait for the last 36 days of his life, the last few weeks and the last day, really, of his life to speak to the people, to rebuke the people? So we mentioned this earlier in a different parsha. Moshe learned from Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov did not rebuke his children, especially Shimon and Levi, until the end of his life. He didn't even rebuke Reuven because moving his bed into the different tents because he was worried on some level that Reuven would go to Esav. I can't imagine on any level Reuven would have went. He was one of the Shvatim, but that was Yaakov's worry. And he didn't even rebuke Shimon and Levi. He rebuked their anger, but not them themselves, which also is a fascinating lesson. If you want to rebuke someone, rebuke their actions, not them as a person. You want to rebuke someone's cooking, rebuke their cooking, their food, not them as a person. When it comes to things, it's a subtle hint. It's the best way to do it. Criticism should not be done, period. We talked about this a different time on Tani Talks Radio. Don't be so critical, is or you're so critical. That is, a, we talk about it at length, but... Moshe is telling us here, I believe, that even if you need to rebuke, even if you need to criticize, even if you need to say something, it must be done in a very simple, 
thought out in a very soft-spoken manner. Moshe Rabbeinu could have said anything. He could have said everything. In his last days of life, you know, this is his last will and testament. This is the last thing he's going to say. He knows that his time is going to be up very soon at 120 years. But Moshe chose to go a manner that was much more subtle, much more hinting, which I think is a lesson for us. How often do we say uh, a, a totally um, blended statement and we say an all or nothing kind of a thing you're always so bad you never do this why don't you ever pick them up why don't you ever do that you never take the garbage you never do this we use we tend to use the words too often like an all or nothing thing going from 0 to 360 if you will saying things like that Moshe is teaching us that if it needs to be critical it needs to be criticism it has to be done in a subtle way in a hinting at way it has to be done in a loving manner, in a very soft-spoken manner. No one ever changes from critical rebuke. No one ever changes from a straight-up harsh criticism. You don't know how to manage your time. You don't know how to manage your money. Why don't you do more things? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? No one ever responds well to that. Can you point to me anyone that responds well to that? No. It has to be done in a gentle way, in a loving way, in a guiding way, in a soft way. And that's what Moshe is showing us here. In his last days of life, in his last weeks of life, Moshe knows after guiding his flock, the Jewish people, for 40 years, he sees the insurrections. He saw what didn't work. He saw all the rebellions and he saw what did and did not work. He knows that you want to get to the kishkas of the people, if you will. You got to subtly hint at it. You know, it would be really great if you did X, Y, or Z. It would be fantastic if you're able to be doing X, Y, or Z for me. It would be wonderful if you could just make sure to do this for me. Can you just make sure to grab the garbage on the way out? Like not saying, like, it really stinks in the house. That's not helpful. You say, hey, slimy, do you mind just taking it out for me on the way when you go to work? You have to say it in a soft way, not slimy. You left it again by the front curb. Why is such a nincompoop? None of these things are very helpful. We need to do it in a soft way, in a gentle way, and in a loving way. In fact, further than that, Moshe stands up for them as well. Not only does he speak to them in a soft manner, a soft-spoken manner, obviously Moshe is not perfect. All of us are nowhere near his level and definitely are not perfect and Moshe was held to task for striking the rock when really he should have spoken to the rock because Hashem wasn't angry, but Moshe showed the Jewish people that it looked like Hashem was angry. But even to the Jewish people, he speaks to them at his end of life in a soft-spoken manner. But do you know that to other people, Moshe spoke a different way? The Hasidic saying points out, these are the words which Moshe spoke to all of Israel in Perak Aleph, Pasuk Aleph. It was only to the people of Israel, it was only to the Bnei Yisrael that Moshe spoke of their inquities and failings to God himself and even so in the first plus he does it in a very subtle smart soft-spoken manner but to God to God himself Moshe spoke only of the virtues of Israel and justified them no matter what they did Moshe went to bat for them time and time and time again Moshe made sure to stand up for them. Moshe made sure to talk in a wonderful way for them. And going to Hashem himself, talking only of the good, if you're not going to save them, what is Mitzrayim going to say? Every time we have a fast day, we read that. Moshe says, what are the people going to say in Mitzrayim? What do we care about Mitzrayim? But Moshe says, it's going to look like a Chalo Hashem. You took him out to the midbar to destroy them, they're going to say, we can't have that. And Hashem accepts it, which is fascinating. 
That is an argument that actually works in Hashem's courtroom. Moshe, after the luchos are broken, and Moshe is furious, Hashem wants to wipe them all out, Moshe stands up to bat for them. If you're going to do this, then erase me from the entire book. Hashem says, I'll start over the whole nation from you. Moshe says, I'm not having that. No way. Erase me now. Moshe goes to bat for them, stands for them, justifies them no matter what they did. This is an interesting lesson in general for life. If you want to tell someone something, you need to be correct. You want to tell something, you soft-spoken, you tell it to them directly. You don't go to his best friend. You don't go to his neighbor. You don't say, Shlaim is so bad with the garbage. You saw what he did today, uncle? That's not helpful. That's not nice. We learn from Moshe, you don't speak ill of a person, of a spouse, of a kid, of a friend to someone else. You have something you need worked out, you work it out yourselves. Moshe tells the Jews directly what to fix. He doesn't go to Hashem complaining about the Jews. You see what they did wrong. You see what's the problem. You see they can't listen. Moshe directly tells them what to work on in a beautiful way, a soft-spoken manner, a a wonderful manner, in a manner that makes sense, in a hinting and subtle manner, and he doesn't go behind their back to badmouth them, to speak bad about them, always sticking up for them, which we should do in our own lives, for spouses, for kids, for friends. Don't speak bad about one friend to another friend. You have a problem with a friend, you want them to correct, then speak to them, but only do it in a soft way, only do it in a hinting way, only do it in a subtle way, only do it in a way that's nice and a beautiful way of going about it, not a bad way of going about it. We want to make sure to learn these lessons, and it's especially apropos these two lessons I feel like right now. We talk about talking to people. If you have to criticize, which never works, only subtly, softly speak in a gentle manner, suggesting, and if they're not, if they're not going to hear it, they're not going to listen, don't waste your breath. They're not going to change because of a few words you said. A person has to work on themselves to change. You cannot change another person. That's the first lesson, speaking in a soft manner and also speaking to the person themselves and to everyone else, justifying them and not speaking badly behind them. As we are in the Bain HaMitzram, we're in the days leading up to Tisha B'av, it is fascinating that this Parsha comes out now. Speaking about the words, speaking about the Devarim, we know that the Beis Migdras, the second one, was destroyed because of Sinas Chinam. Where do you think Sinas Chinam comes from? Baseless hate, oftentimes, if not all times, starts from Lashon Hara. It starts from Motzi Shemra. It starts from Rechila, slandering other people, spreading false rumors about other people, spreading evil speech about other people. And we know that in every generation that the Beis Migdash was not rebuilt, it was as if it was destroyed again. It's almost as if it was this generation's fault also. The Chachamim, the sages, point out in the Talmud. Each generation that it doesn't have it rebuilt is as if it's destroyed again. And if it was destroyed because of Sinachinam, and this generation is liable, that means that Sinachinam is still a major problem. That means that it's still rampant. And there is an easy solution. There is an easy fix. You think about Devarim. You think about using your words, soft, beautiful, loving, kind words every day, not only for rebuke, which should never be done, but in general, speaking with people, interacting with people, talking with people, the solution is Ahavas Chinam. Chavitz Chaim points out, the commentators point out many ages ago, that the way to rebuild the base Megdras is using your Devarim, using your words, and using your ability to speak to build Ahavas Chinam. 
Only speak Lashon Tov. Counteract the Lashon Hara by switching it to Lashon Tov. I heard such beautiful things about that person. He does such wonderful things. She does such wonderful things. You want to spread something? Spread goodness about other people. Motzi Shem Tov. Bring out the good of a name of someone else. Bring out the good about someone else. Maybe showcase wonderful things that they've done in life and in the community. Don't spread slander. Spread wonder. Spread wonderful things about other people. Simple ways that we can be involved in Ahavaz Chinam. Loving another person just because they have Selam Elohim. Loving other people just because they have Selam Elohim. Just because they are involved in these kind of things. If we can learn from the lessons how Moshe teaches us to speak in a soft manner and speak to the person directly, not going behind their back when standing up for the friend or standing up for the person at work or whatever when other people challenge them, you have a problem, speak to them themselves. This could be a way that we work on in our own life. Besides for more chesed, more Torah, more mitzvahs, which of course should be done, how about we spread Ahavas Chinam? Instead of having to have a Tisha B'Av, we could have a day where it's a Yom Tov, a real Yom Tov, where we're dancing around the base of English because there's such Ahavas Chinam. It all starts with Devarim. It all starts with these are the words, good words, Motzi Shem Tov, and spreading avak of a shame tov and spreading lashon tov of all people all around us. It can happen and it should happen and it all can begin with you this very day. Join us next time as we talk at Tani Talks Parsha where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. And I'm your host, Tani.